Hello, guys. I'm Sergio. I'm doing another uh, interview with the International Series. Here with me, I have uh, Greg Whitehouse. Greg, introduce yourself. Hello. Um, I'm uh, Greg Whitehouse, uh, player and uh, co-club captain for Bedford Rangers uh, Dodgeball Club. Um, I'm now a commentator. That's where I might be known from in terms of people normally know me for my voice rather than what I look like. Um, what else about me? Uh, I went to Bedford University. That's where I uh, started playing dodgeball. And then ever since then, I've kind of fallen in love with it. Commentated, covered European events and um, World Cup events. So, yeah, that's me. Nice. And we'll definitely explore the commentating side as we go along. Um, yeah. Let's talk about uh, what's the number you uh, wear when you play for Bedford, and is there a particular story behind that? I wouldn't say a particular story. It was a, a number I was kind of to back at university. I played for the second team. The first team was at Bedford Bulls was elite back then. Um, I think a lot of people knew the Bedford Bulls first team and how big it was. So for me, I, I was never incredibly sporty anyway. So I resided in the second team, was given uh, the 19 shirt, and I've just ever carried on from there, really. It's a, it's a great number. I love playing in it. So it means a lot. So it's pretty much the first number you had back at uni, and it just stuck with you. Um, I had a couple of numbers before that. I think I was three at one point. These were like shirts you were given. So when you first played, you were kind of given someone else's shirt that was playing in the first team anyway, or one of their old kits. You were given that. But I think the first one I was kept and washed myself it was 19. So I think that that's probably where it's kind of stuck from there. All right. Um, so you kind of uh, touched on it a little bit. So you started playing dodgeball in university. Yep. That was your, um, that, what was your first impression when you stepped on the court? It's a mad game. It was, it was three ball back then. We, we've not always played five ball over here in uh, Europe. I remember we, that. Yeah, three ball. They were huge balls. I've got, I'm, I'm only 5'11", so I'm a diddy guy as it is. The only thing about me is I've just got abnormally large feet for my size. So I've got a bit of clown feet, but my hands are, I'd say, were somewhat smaller than the dodgeball. And it was just, I wouldn't say manic, but I think, you know, when people threw these balls at you, especially like when you, went away from freshers, which is kind of what you call new people to university. I don't know if you have that phrase over in America. Um, fresher? Yeah, fresher. It's someone that's like new to, when they start university, they're called a oh, fresher. Freshman. Yeah, yeah, like a freshman. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when you step away from freshers and you get to the people that have already been playing university, some people played it before that anyway, you kind of realised how quick some of these people threw the balls. And there was, well, back when I was at university, it would have been Ed Skinner, who was kind of the big name for his arm. And he threw about 70, 69, I think was his record. 69 miles per hour, that is. So. And that was with the, the bigger cloth ball. The bigger balls. And uh, then he kind of got injured and went off to javelin. So he's never, he didn't really play five ball that much. But I can imagine his arm for, with a five ball would be pretty insane. Yeah, I was, uh, I was about to say, like, if he's throwing, because he, he's got pretty, uh, he's got a fast throw for foam. I mean, for him to throw 60, you said 60 or 70? 
doing yeah. it with, uh, yes. with the well that well that was that was that's so you know Henry Skinner. So that was his brother, Ed. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I, I missed that. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, his his brother was played before well, they played at the same team. Um Reefham. Reefham. Reefham Raiders. That's what it was. Yeah, that's what it was called. Okay. And yeah. um yeah. I initially heard Henry, so I kind of butchered that. <laughs> That'll definitely be a blooper right there. That's um, fine. <laughs> oh, no, more for me, if anything. Uh, so <laughs> it's safe to assume, like, you got hooked on your first game, or did you come back and just get hooked? Um, I played all, all throughout university, my three years there. It was manic. It was literally, we had tournaments almost, you know, twice a month, three times a month. You know, you kept, constantly came back. I think it was just the social aspect of it. You know, at university, we had one female team, uh, two female teams, I think two or three male teams. So, you know, the squad was rather large. We all kind of got to know each other pretty quickly. We drank a lot more than, I guess, played dodgeball back at university. <laughs> um, we certainly played a lot of dodgeball. So, <laughs> Well, I could definitely say cultures are not that much different when it comes to drinking. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. I think the one regret I had, um, I didn't get a chance to play beer pong with, um, I forgot who called me out out there. Somebody called me. Oh, no, it was, um, who's, I think it was Simon Jones. He called me out when I went out there to play beer pong after the tournament. Oh, uh, okay. I was like, you know what? Next, if he's listening, we'll definitely run it back when we can. Um <laughs> So you said you weren't particular, uh, particularly sporty growing up. So you, safe to assume you didn't have an athletic background growing up, like you um, I so, well, I played football till I was about ten. Um, I continued with like track and field, like athletics. I was more of a uh, my brother threw county discus, and he, my brother is he was six foot when he was like fifteen, sixteen. So he was like incredibly sporty. I never really was sporty. I was just forced into that side because obviously my brother did it. So I kind of picked up in sporty aspects. Um, I don't, even, I don't hate football. It was just kind of so obviously what you call, guys call soccer anyway. Um, but I think football wasn't for me. Uh, you know, I've got two left feet, which is funny because I went into performing arts, which is so. <laughs> So, performing arts as in, like, you did acting, ballet, yeah. or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, performing arts, mix of uh, dance, drama, and singing. Uh, started that probably when I was about 11. Did it at university anyway, which is funny. <laughs> it was uh, definitely weird. A weird change from kind of what we were used to. But um, I think it was, for me, dodgeball was kind of something we played even before university at school in like the sports hall so it kind of carried on from there in terms of oh actually I kind of like this it was a bit of fun back then you go to university and you go to these mass events and a lot a lot of people took it a lot more serious than others and you could tell because they normally came out with the trophy but <laughs> so wow okay so safe to assume like you, you didn't really have any like sport like to draw from. You just went into dodgeball and just picked up whatever you learned from there. You didn't have like a foundation sport where you say, this is what helped me translate from this to dodgeball. You just kind of picked it up from dodgeball there. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. Mm, I'd say so. 
which is probably why it explains why I'm still so bad because I never really played sports a lot. But no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't I say have, I have to say it before everyone else does. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, I definitely wouldn't have gone there, but that's fair. <laughs> so. Des- um, describe the scene of like dodgeball out there um, and you're out in Bedford right yeah so how is the scene out there in Bedford as far as like <laughs> how many times you guys get to play obviously pre-COVID um, how many times you get to play as- and how many university students come out and maybe even kids like how's the scene out out there okay so uh, we'll go from the scene from when I finished university there was only one team around. It was Bedford Eagles, and they were a team of people that had graduated Bedford University before me. So they made a team. And when I finished university, I just I didn't want to join them. I joined them. Um, I wasn't against them because I liked them. I I knew them as people. I just still trained at the university. I kind of was in a job back then, so I mean, I'm still in the same job now. But obviously, yeah, it's a bit more. I can put dodgeball as a priority now but as I finished university I was a bit like you know I'll, I'll work a lot and not really play dodgeball competitively so I had two years break uh, didn't join uh, Bedford Eagles and then a couple of us when you know some of the younger lot started graduating uh, we made Bedford Rangers so that was about four years now so that's where Bedford Rangers came from so there's kind of the, the two Bedford clubs. I'd say that there's a bit of a rivalry that's always been there for a long time. Um, their women are still insane. They've been at the top of women, women dodgeball in the UK for a long time. Their men were, were very good. They still have aspects of good dodgeball. But I'd definitely say our men have overtaken their men. Um, but we play, we train once a week. We have national leagues here, which are men's first are in uh, Super League. They were they were fourth pre-COVID, and the women are, I believe, eighth, so just above relegation pre-COVID in the Super League as well. And then we've got a men's second team, and we're in League Two, so that's kind of where we're at. And we all meet at St George's Park, which is about two hours away from us, so we all travel up there. All together, we literally go as a squad. We watch each other's games. So we're there long days of dodgeball when we are there. But, you know, I think Bedford Rangers is almost like a family. And I think anyone that is part of Bedford Rangers knows that. The junior side of things, we did have a junior club uh, a couple of years ago. It kind of fizzled out. But we're definitely in talks with us and Bedford Eagles in terms of making a Bedford junior club because there are a lot of schools in Bedford that love dodgeball and we've, we're always told that we sent emails oh do you have a junior club so you, me. So, yeah so you, so you two teams are like trying to maybe maybe potentially sometime down the road obviously when times allow maybe make a youth club for Bedford oh for sure we uh Milton Keynes have one which isn't which is about 30 minutes from us um they have a junior club and Bedford Eagles kind of have a junior club. They're like linked with a club, but not. It doesn't come kind of under the Bedford Eagles. Not anymore, anyway. I think they had an under 16s, but that's kind of fizzled out as those under 16s have grown up. They're now in their second team and, and first team, so they play for them. But 
I, it's definitely something we kind of briefly spoke about in terms of making a junior club uh, in Bedford because it's definitely very popular. It's, I think it got voted the second most popular sport amongst kids in schools. Yeah, so. Wow. Yeah, just buying football. <laughs> of course. Just yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least it overtakes cricket because I will never support that. <laughs> or, or you'll get a lot of English fans against that. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I'm not a baseball fanatic, but there's something, oh, okay. I don't know, there's something about cricket that just doesn't appeal to me. I mean, if that's the case, I'd rather watch three ball, which I started watching, hence why I started getting into the European scene. Mm. <laughs> so how has uh, COVID-19 impacted you? Like when, was, like when you went to your last practice, did you know that would be your last practice or did it just abruptly just halted everything? Uh, we didn't know it was going to be our last one. There was obviously talks of it. Uh, COVID had kind of just started bursting on the scene, ruining everyone's day, ruining everyone's work. Um, but the ice cream van in the background. Sorry about that. Um, if you can't hear it, there is an ice cream van in the background. But pre-COVID, um, no, we were just about to go training on Wednesday and then uh, we were advised by British Dodgeball, obviously our UK governing body, that uh, we shouldn't play sports inside and that cancelled that training. So... Obviously, we all still speak. We, we're we a very social group, so we all still speak anyway. But I think everyone just wants dodgeball to you know, get back on the road. And it's tough because everywhere is different in the UK. I know, obviously, in America, um, I don't know what it's like in terms of there's certain areas that are worse than others. Uh, here in the UK, we've had certain towns go into lockdown again. So Leicester is a big one. Uh, and a lot of teams reside around Leicester so if the league started up now that would kind of be tough because a lot of teams wouldn't be allowed out of Leicester so you kind of had like a, a sort of a warning like okay is maybe the last one and then as you were preparing to go you were just advised like right before you left like no this, this yeah. is it literally the, I think it was in the day um, of the Thursday we were told we weren't allowed to so Obviously, that's kind of crummy, but here we are now. So, yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, I can say for for uh, my end of the thing, uh, spectrum, I didn't realize how much COVID would hit until like our NBA got canceled, the NHL got canceled. Um, oh yeah, like a lot of our professional sports leagues got canceled, and then maybe two or two or three days after, um, USA Dodgeball just. I don't want to say suspended the whole season because they haven't officially made that announcement, but mm. um, pretty you much had some things cancelled, right? Yeah, mm. we definitely did, and uh, yeah, right now, yeah, LA could potentially be in lockdown again. <laughs> right now, the dangerous <laughs> or the more viral outbreaks are coming from LA, Texas, and Florida, and New York, like the Northeast area, where it was more of a pandemic, is kind of slowing down. So it's kind of like our turn to go through, I guess you would say, a second wave, even though we yeah. haven't got through the first. <laughs> if, second spike is such. Right. Second yeah. spike in the first, yeah. Mm. So um, what drew you into complaining more or less competitively after university? Was this just a social aspect? I think we 
back at university, we were so competitive anyway. I think that's something, even though I didn't really play sports as a kid growing up, I was very competitive anyway. Uh, so that's kind of always been a part of me. And I think when we made Bedford Rangers, as the small group we was back then, uh, we all wanted to get to the top. And back there, you had to, you obviously have to grind out. You have to, we had to go through non-league, League Two, League One, Super League. So obviously, we've finally got there, and we're kind of cementing ourselves as a bigger name, I guess. Now, back then, it, everyone was a bit like, "Oh, Bedford Rangers, they could cause an upset here and there." And now, I think a lot more people are going. Actually, Bedford Rangers, you know, really got their head into the game. And we've caused a couple of well, the first team have caused a couple of upset, upsets this year already. So that's kind of something to take on. Even um, even if the season ended now, we'd say, you know, we had a really good season. The first team did so. Yeah. I mean, I would say, and you definitely had a hand in it, despite you claiming to be unathletic. <laughs> oh, no, I don't play in the first team. I don't play in the first team. You play I in the second I play in the second team. I captain the second team. Okay, that, that's fair. I mean, but you are yeah, a part I know, of the club. Oh, I'm part of the club, yeah, for sure. You're part of the culture, so you yeah, do exactly. have a hand in some way. Albeit distantly, you do have a hand in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I know the answer to this, but have you ever played um, in the States? I haven't. I haven't. I'd love to. I wanted to come over there a couple of years ago and play in Sin City. And I was speaking to oh, wow. Jake. Yeah, yeah, I was speaking to Jake. <laughs> And I said, do you know, I think it was either to commentate or to come over there and just witness what it was like. Obviously, I never got around to it. I'm rubbish at cementing plans. Um, but I'd love to come over there. Oh, for sure. You know, when things die down, probably next year, I can imagine. And everything quiets down a little. Definitely want to go over there, for sure. So. Yeah, that's definitely a party scene you do not want to miss i will say that <laughs> first and foremost <laughs> so let's let's dive into this a little bit a little self-analysis how would you describe your play style um as it relates to cloth and you guys are starting to play foam out there have yeah. you seen foam before um uh, we kind of trained a little in foam we had a foam tournament last season um and i played in that squad and uh, we'll go on to that, but I'll describe kind of cloth first, I guess. Uh, cloth, my play style. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably, probably say, and, oh, I, I, it's probably my um, good point about me, but probably my downfall as well. I hang around the centre court too much. I love being aggressive in points, but I'm certainly a lazy person getting back to the back of the court. I like to think at points I could take on the world, but <laughs> there's there's younger people now that are a lot more athletic than me and they run a lot quicker than me up the court than I ran back. <laughs> but I'd probably say um, an all-around player, um, kind of my throwing's somewhat above average, my catching maybe <laughs> below average a little, I guess. Um, <laughs> I'm probably putting myself down here a lot, but. Um, like I said, I'd rather say it than everyone else say it and go, oh, do you know what, I'm, a, I'm amazing because I'm, I'm certainly not, you know, I, I know a lot about dodgeball, but uh, no, but I'd say like I'm a, a good all-around player. When it comes to foam, my arms are a lot, believe it or not, my arms are a lot better in foam 
than it is in cloth. I've got more of a, you know, with a foam, you've got the, the wrist, you know, flick as such and the whip. Um, so my foam throw is a lot better and I'm probably quite athletic in terms of jumping up and down and flying around the place. I'm certainly one for, you know, jumping everywhere. That's pre-lockdown. That's how I actually injured myself. Pre-COVID, should I say. Injured myself. I oh. uh, was in training and just... <laughs> Dodged out of the way, full went into the ground, shoulder first. Um, I mean, it's still kind of—I wouldn't say hurts now, but there's certainly pains uh, here and there. Um, but yeah, so I'm certainly one for throwing myself about. So I guess if we play foam a lot more, that—that's certainly a big trait that a lot of foam, big foam players, I would say, have. You know, on lockdown. Yeah, I mean, so it's safe to assume you're courageous to a fault for hanging in the front line. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, for sure. Uh, you're, you're what I call a definition of uh, being wired the wrong way. I will say <laughs> yeah. Right attitude, but just wired the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's but, bad because I, oh, I don't fear a lot of people, which is weird. I, I should. I should fear a lot more people, but I don't which is, like I said, is probably my, my downfall in a lot of things. But, hey, that's where I am today. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the same way, but I'm also not going to hang out in the front if I know I got no coverage. Oh, <laughs> I just, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like when it comes to – and I think that was something Aldred asked me, who, who do I fear? And I'm like, I'm, I legit don't fear anyone. I mean, yeah. I respect everyone. I just don't fear anyone. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, I don't fear – a rubber ball or a cloth ball coming at my face. Like, okay, I'll I'll get hit in the face, whatever. You know, consequences be damned. <laughs> I'm not gonna cry about it. <laughs> so let's talk about um what got you into commentating? How'd you get your start? Uh, no. A bit of a funny story really. Um it was twenty sixteen and the World Cup was coming up. Everyone got excited for the World Cup and that it was obviously for us the first time five ball. Um, was about the one in Manchester. Yeah, in Manchester, Manchester 2016 WDA World Cup. So they obviously made the rule set, and everyone got super excited. It was going to be uh, coverage, and I think that's what a lot of people wanted from Europe. You know, we've ha we'd had Euros in the past where things have been, you know, uh, put on YouTube, put on Twitch, and whatnot. Um, so I asked Tom Hickson at the time, I said, you know what, you know, I don't mind it. I love talking. Anyone that knows me knows that I could talk for days, hours, weeks. And so I just said, you know, do you need a commentator? He said, yeah. Do you know anyone else? Uh, that's where I met Jake Canner. He had already done commentary uh, at the Euros before. And I think the Euros before that as well. So that's kind of where I met him. He'd already been on the scene for commentary and uh, we did the World Cup and kind of from then I lost my voice anyway and I was hooked, you know. <laughs> I love I loved dodgeball. So I think talking about it and explaining it, watching the game is something I've enjoyed so much. And ever since then I've gone to every European event and did the 2018 New York World Cup. So. Yeah, um, if anyone knows... His, if anyone knows you, they definitely know you for your voice. Um, <laughs> say, uh... <laughs> Which is a good and bad thing. 
<laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I've met people and it's, yeah, we've got, we've got talking and it kind of comes around to, oh yeah, oh yeah, I watched the World Cup. Oh yeah, yeah, I've watched it. Oh, I've listened to it. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, that was me. And they're like, no, that wasn't you. You don't sound like that. <laughs> I'm like, no, that, that was me. <laughs> that was the third day in where I'd lost my voice already. So. Yeah, I remember it was going to be kind of like a funny story, but from my perspective, um, when I was over there, um, I don't know, like, I, I, was wa- I was watching a game and I don't remember, like, I remember thinking, I don't remember how he looks like, but I definitely remember how he sounds like. And somehow this guy is <laughs> right behind me. <laughs> I see, I'm like, this is the face to the voice that I definitely yeah. remember. I didn't even have to look at the back of your jersey. I knew it, was, it said White House. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yep, you, your voice is definitely uh, iconic at that point. Mm. <laughs> I could say so. <laughs> definitely iconic. Mm. Um, so did you have any role models uh, growing up, be it sport or any teachers? Uh, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> role models. Um, it was a tough one because like I said you know going through sports I guess was a tough one for me um in terms of I'd probably say uh, my older brother you know I'd hate to say that and he'll probably never listen to this he might do you know if I'll share in he might listen to it but he was you know so athletic he was good at, at all athletics you know he was a bit of a brain box as well but he's you know it's weird in terms of what me and my brother are like. And if you put us together, you'd never say we were related. You know, he was sporty. He was somewhat clever. Um, and then there was me. I was a lot shorter than he was. Not really athletic. I was just a lot more social. So I knew everyone in terms of different social groups and whatnot. So I'd say my role, my, my brother in terms of a role model in, in that sense. Sporting. Hmm. Very tough one. I don't. I couldn't say I have a. a that's weird because I know you know. I think if you're into sports, you definitely have someone that you've always looked up to in terms of sports. But like I said, playing sports on and off throughout my life, I've never really gone off. Do you know what I really like that person and what that person has done for a sport? I wouldn't say role model, but someone that you know I've always looked at in terms of dodgeball. Um. It's two people actually. Brett, who is just insane, and you know, if you know Brett, Brett, Brett Connick. Yeah, he breathes it. He he plays dodgeball constantly, and I'd probably say Vince Marchbanks. Yeah. Yeah. I've never met the guy. I had him on Facebook. I think, you know, when I was watching, what was it? Ultimate Dodge. UDC. UDC. Yeah. I know from there, and he was insane back then. I think he's always been a voice in terms of, yeah, I wouldn't say a role model, but someone I look at in dodgeball and go, oh, do you know what? That guy loves dodgeball to the, the core, and he seems like a nice guy. So, yeah, that I can say personally. Um, uh, he's definitely a nice guy and definitely a good voice and oh. athlete for the sport. Mm. Um, it's funny because when I started playing, Roughly 10 years ago, I, I started emulating my understanding of the game through him and how he plays and just like watching everything he did right, watching everything he did wrong and try to incorporate that as much as 
I can because I know like I have the same kind of attitude, you know, consequences be damned, but I'm very analytical at the same time. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's solid uh, role models. And Brett, Brett is, yeah, he's dodgeball 24 seven. I would say he's kind of like my British counterpart in that sense. <laughs> but I would definitely love to have him on in the future. I hope you're listening. Um, <laughs> so do you have any pregame rituals before any games or big tourneys? Always try to incorporate, I guess, I wouldn't say weird ones. I guess they're kind of regular ones. Um, I put on music, I put on headphones and just you know, jam away to whatever music I guess is on my phone at that point. There's that. Uh, I normally have, uh, I don't know, you probably have them in America, they're everywhere. They're like the tablets you put in like water and like energy drink water without a lot of the sugars, I think. Uh, one of those and then kind of before the game as every team does we come in team talk Rangers on three kind of I think we kind of feel weird if we don't do that and even if the rest are saying like come on hurry up let's get the teams lined up we we just walk onto court doing Rangers one two three so I think that's I'm not sure does every team do that every team does that right yeah I mean that counts I mean that definitely counts I reach you in terms of I don't like I have to wake up I have to eat a certain thing because I know some people are like that some yeah, people, some people you know, are just, very superstitious oh uh, for sure I, I know I am but we can <laughs> go about that whenever I, whenever I get interviewed I guess <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no nothing too nothing too uh, grand in that end but uh, do you have any pre-game rituals as far as like before you take the mic as far as commentating <laughs> Uh, I guess this comes from like my acting background where you're always taught before you go on stage you warm up your your voice you warm up your it sounds weird you warm up your mouth and um, as a thing that you always do you, you the tip of your tongue you say is like a paintbrush and you paint the whole inside of your mouth it warms up your tongue it warms up your mouth it's kind of a thing that just well I think every actor will know that. That's something that we do anyway. So um, do that, warm up my voice. Uh, and recently we've got into uh, like cough sweets, like strepsils we have here in, here in England. And, Wait, what was that? Uh, cough sweets. Cough sweets? So like, yeah, so it's like if you've got a sore throat. So oh, between, oh, yeah. You call them cough drops. I've got, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and between every game, well, at the last year, between every game, no matter what, you mute the mic, you put a cough sweet in, you drink a bit of water, and that was it. You know, on game days as such, when I'm commentating, literally it's drink as much water as possible because you're going to need it. Even if you don't think you need water, drink it. I will always tell anyone that comes behind the mic that. And cough sweets, even if you haven't got a cough, trust me, by the end of day three, they would have saved you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely remember that because um, that was actually one of my uh, bucket lists to actually go out there and commentate a Euro. Oh, sure. or, um, especially me because, I mean, I feel like I know as much about European dodgeball as I do. Mm. Who better from the States to do it? <laughs> All right, so we're going to go into the crowdsource questions. Um, Pete Watt asks, what was the best match you commentated on and why? So um, I've got a couple. 
couple of the good matches. I mean, a lot of the matches, you know, when when I look at look back at them and kind of see what they've been like, they've all been fairly good, you know, past the group stages because obviously everyone's into a warm up day and whatnot. But there's some really good games out there. But two that really, you know, stick to the mark, I'd say. Uh, the first one is 2016 World Cup. It was uh, Wales and Malaysia. Malaysia were kind of the underdogs of the tournament. They'd, we'd not really seen what they played like. Whereas Wales, a lot of the Wales players back then had played in England and we knew what they were like. Uh, all we knew was when Malaysia came over, they wanted it just as much as anyone else. You know, They'd not really seen the European side. But looking into their first games, they really wanted it. So they come up against Wales and Wales start taking this early lead. Malaysia are still in it, but Malaysia, uh, Wales are putting the points up and it starts getting closer and closer to the end of the game. And there's this one moment in the game, uh, one of them drops a catch, kind of goes up in the air. One guy jumps off, off court. He hits it back onto the court and another guy catches it. You know, looking back at it, probably wasn't the best decision. I think they probably lost the player or they might have got even from it, but Wales certainly lost one of their big players and it looked good. So that was kind of a big moment. Uh, it then went to overtime and sudden death and Malaysia took it. And I just remember just being off my seat for the last five minutes or so of that game, just screaming down the mic. So I probably deafened a few people as well, but I mean, by then my voice had gone. It was already the men's semi-final. Uh, but that was definitely one of the great games. And then there was another one, Wales. Yeah, again in the in the mark. This was um, 2018 Euros, I believe, back in Italy. And it was Wales men versus Czech Republic men. Yeah, again, Czech Republic on the, the underdog side of things. We... We'd seen what they were like over the weekend. They'd certainly improved from previous years, which was, which is always great to see from a commenter's, commentator's side of things. Uh, they'd hired, I say hired, they'd drafted in a few handball players. Certainly in Central Europe, handball's very popular. Uh, so they got these big arms involved. And Wales were up by a couple of sets. All they had to do was just slow these sets down. We have time, set, we have time uh, sets over here in America and I'm not sure what it's like in every uh, discipline you've got over there but I know in foam you don't have a set time um, so you know the times were going down Czech Republic still looked in it and then Wales just had to last it out they didn't have to eliminate the Czech players they just had to last it out make sure they got a, a draw or a lose out of it they still would have been up but they throw Czech Republic make the catch and Czech Republic end up winning that set it then goes to overtime Czech Republic, I think, are down again. And then in the dying seconds, I think it goes to sudden death. So next player that is out, you know, that team then loses. Czech Republic, just get one good hit and that's it. Wales uh, were absolutely distraught. This was kind of the new Wales side to what we've seen. And they were very distraught about it. But... You know, they were a young crowd, so I know in the future, Wales will bounce back a lot. They've already got some new signings this year from what I've seen already. So, But, you know, Wales <laughs> always seem to appear in the good games. Whether they're on the good side of things or not is a different question. But 
<laughs> I'm not too sure how many people are going to like that from uh, the whale side of things, but. <laughs> they hate it. They hate it when I mention it because they know. They, they know they're my favorite games. <laughs> well, okay. All right. And the second part uh, to Pete's question was, who do you enjoy co-commentating with and why? <clears throat> so I've had a couple of co-commentators. Um, across the years. Uh, the first one, Jake Canner, and I'll come back to Jake because I think he kind of wins my vote in, in terms of things, but I'll explain a bit about the others and how I've gotten with them. I've had Jake, who I started the, the journey with, uh, Ed Prentice from America. I did the second World Cup with him. Uh, I know he's, I wouldn't say not liked, but I know he's, he's on the border of both... Um, boards I guess um, he was a great guy uh, Scotty Whitelaw ex-Scottish international now he's kind of plans a lot of the European events he was on the boards of, of planning the worlds and he now plays GP as well he commented um, last year's European champs that was up in Liverpool I believe yeah I'm pretty sure it was Liverpool so that was amazing uh, and then Sam who plays uh, at Bedford Rangers, we did, we did, <clears throat> voice credit, uh, we did Italy together, and he'd done Glasgow as well. Italy, you know, he's, he's hard to understand because he's a northern guy, and I guess, I, I'm not sure how, what it's like in terms of accents over in America, in terms of, you, there's some people that you can't understand, but here in England and United Kingdom, the further you go up north, it's harder to understand people because, one, they talk so fast, and two, they they make these words up every week. That, that, but <laughs> for me, Jake Kenner, incredibly nice guy, and I think we work well together. You know, I'm very fast-paced. I've got somewhat of a common Essex accent. If you're from the UK, you'd know what that kind of is. Uh, Jake's very well-spoken. He talks a lot of facts, and normally I'm the guy that hypes up a lot. But... He's been busy the last couple of tournaments. It'd be good to get him back. Yeah. I'd, you know, I'd like to say I've improved a lot since 2016. I know he more than more than happy, happily returned to the microphone, but definitely Jake Canner for me. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned accents. It's um, at least for the American side of things, it's not so much the accents, it's the slang. So sometimes um, a lot of people will get confused by what you guys would say or how it would come off. Um, I know, like, I've gotten, I've gotten used to it over the years, but I know, like, especially when it comes to whether it be commentating dodgeball or Premier League games, unless you're, like, really into it or really know what, what, um, what they're talking about, then, yeah, you can kind of get lost in the slang and the jargon. But other than that, I mean, the accent itself, it's easy to understand. But I guess the more northern you go, the quicker it gets. And yeah. I can't answer for everyone on that end. <laughs> uh, also, uh, curious, does Jake actually play? Jake Kenner? He does. Uh, he's played for a long time. He played way before me as well. He used to play oh, back wow. at uh, Warwick University, which was kind of – I'm pretty sure he was. Sorry if I'm wrong on that. But they were one of the bigger universities back then. And they were certainly – one of the universities to watch out for. They had plenty of big names. Back in three ball, yeah, it wasn't really about how big your arm was. It was about you know how well you could take a catch. And Jake, for a long time, was certainly one of the 
he would he'd never throw a single ball in because he he'd catch it. Um, but no, he he still plays. He plays for Spartans uh, second team, I believe. Oh, okay. So yeah, he still plays. So he he still plays. He's uh, so he's like an old school player from the. Yeah, past. he's an old school player that <laughs> didn't quite converge into the the top form of five ball, but still sticks around and he still, you know, he, he can still play it to a good standard. I love to see that, especially on the second team of Spartans. That's no joke. Yeah, exactly. They're at the top of the heap. Mm. Um, okay. And our good friend, Dominic Borgia, he also asked two questions. So his first one was, what's been your favorite international tournament? So I'm guessing to commentate. Um, to commentate. For me, I'd probably say it was Glasgow. That was the year we were sponsored. No, not sponsored. We were streamed on Facebook uh, under Unilad Sport. And if you don't know what Unilad... I don't know. Do you have Unilad in? Like Unilad Uh, in America? Is that a thing? I I feel like... I don't know if it's in America, but I know it's definitely popped up on my Facebook feed. Like Lab Bible? Stuff like that? Lab, Yes. Okay, yeah. so we've got a thing over here, like Unilad, and they've got like different divisions and stuff. Uh, and they had Unilad Sport, and it was very popular for a long time. It's kind of drizzled out now with Facebook streaming, not really a thing anymore. But that was very popular. Well, it was great there. We had two courts. So we had four commentators, the most we've ever had, or I've, I've ever commentated alongside. We had five commentators, I believe. We had Sam, uh, Jake... Um, Kelly, who is an ex-international as well, and then a guy, I can't remember his name, he's probably not going to, he, he was from like a presenting side of things, he didn't really know much about dodgeball, he wasn't a great commentator, so I won't, I won't say much more about it, I don't want to, <laughs> uh, but that was, it was an amazing tournament, you know, to commentate on, it was, that was where kind of Scotland were in their highlight. I don't, thinking back on it now, I think their men's might have just fallen off the mark because they had England in the groups or just out of the groups or something. So they, they fell off the mark and didn't qualify, I believe, for the World Cup as well, which was, which was a bit of a stinker for Scotland men. But, I mean, they went on to very, do very well in the mixed. But that was certainly a favourite tournament to commentate on. Favourite tournament I've ever been at is a completely different story. and Just the side you know, behind the scenes in terms of what people are like, all the different nations talking and stuff. Uh, it was Italy for me that, you know, it was still great to commentate there, but behind the scenes, you know, everyone was just so chill. We was in a private sort of sport resort. We was right next to the beach. Amazing it was. Wait, the venue was right by a beach? Yeah, literally. You could walk out of one gate and go to the beach. There were many small and quiet parties on the beach let's just say that <laughs> quiet parties got yeah it. <laughs> definitely quiet parties <laughs> all right so the second part of dom's question have have you started getting used to foam after playing cloth for your entire career <laughs> i've not played much cloth uh, much cloth, much foam to be honest i played um we had one tournament here uh, I know they're trying to get it obviously into a league format because obviously we don't then don't want to be behind when we go to Worlds and the only people that have played foam 
the people that go to Worlds. That's certainly not how we're going to grow as if we amalgamate foam and cloth. We're certainly not going to get the best out of people because we can't just say, oh, the best cloth players are the best foam players. You know, some certainly are, but some, you know, the skills don't quite merge over. You think they would because you're just still throwing a ball, but, you know, it's a completely different style, which is weird because I throw a foam ball faster than I throw a cloth ball. But that's just because of the whip, the whip of things, you know, in terms of you're pretty much throwing from your, your elbow down in foam. Well, that's certainly how I throw, whether that's the right way or not. Is. Yeah, no, that, that's a good way of getting a tennis elbow. Um, yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> if, you're, if you're just using your elbow as like a main um, pivot, yeah. then yeah, you're just overusing one muscle that doesn't need to be when you have your whole body to go with. Mm. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I definitely agree because um, here we play so many different styles yeah. uh, and you would think one player can play this style or the other, but it's just how they adjust to the ball and how they throw um, with their body, with their footwork. Like I know for me, um, as soon as I got used to throwing the cloth ball out there, it just felt like throwing a rubber ball to me, if not me. Yeah. Mm. So. No, it is a different style of throwing, but foam, the rules are so much different. I said they're not that much different, but for me, it's, it seems a lot more disciplined and a slower game. You know, when I play cloth, to me, when I'm on the court, it seems a lot more rushed, whether that's a good thing or not. Well, <laughs> well I would say it's because if you're, if you're thinking of rules um, with WDBF, you don't play like two or three minute sets. You're playing 22 minute halves. So yeah. you have that leverage to, or you have that time frame to play slower as opposed to what, how you guys play. Was it two or three minute sets? Three minute sets, yeah. Three minutes. Then you sort of have to play fast because you're playing against the clock and the numbers on the on the court. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's pretty much it. Like if you just take the element of time out of cloth, it just becomes just as slow. Mm. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's really the biggest uh, time difference or biggest difference. Just the element of time. Yeah. You put time in any game, regardless of ball type and 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 format, that changes the whole thing. I'd love to see what it, if it would what it would be like if you had set timers. So when you play when you play rubber over there, do you have set times in that as well? No, we play wow. best two out of three. It could be a thirty second game each. It could be five minutes. Or if it's like Vince's old team, uh, Doom, Doom and Rise, like they play for like it seems forever, but it's because they know each other so well that they don't want to gamble uh, any certain move on the other. But as long as it's you know two three or two one, like that's pretty much what we play to. Fair enough. Yeah, the element of time isn't favored uh, in the states. Oh yeah, tell me about it. All right, so we're gonna go into the tough. Uh, five questions. Um, so one, what is the one thing you could change in dodgeball if you could? <laughs> one thing I could change, um, probably the referees and the decisions they could make. Because I think over here, the referees, I think they even admitted to it that if someone were to shout, oh, you know, that was a hit, that was a hit, the ref quite didn't quite see it. Sometimes the ref will go, okay, that was a hit. I think the ref sometimes needs to be more like, no, I didn't see it. No one else saw it. No hit. 
you know, lay down the law sometimes. I think that's the problem we have here, here over in England, especially at the higher tier games. There are some refs, don't get me wrong, that will literally just get out cards and will go, look, this is the problem. Don't talk back to me. I'm the one making decisions. That's it, final. I'd, I'd love to be able to make a change in, in terms of what refs could do and whatnot. Hmm. Okay. Uh, that's, I mean, it's a similar problem. Well, I would say similar, but it's like a similar thing we have here. Um, some refs you can kind of push around, and every player yeah. knows who they are. And even at, like, semifinal games and finals, like, even if they happen to be in those games, you you kind of know who they are. But uh, it's not – at least not on our end. It's not as pervasive across the board. Like, I feel like most of our refs here are, you know, to, the, to their own and – or to the standard where they can hold their own against higher caliber players and even some egos that may come into play. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because uh, let's be honest, they can't see everything. Um, mm. Having more would help on the on the court, but you know they can't see everything. Even if... so, over here we have, especially at league and tournaments now, we have two refs. One in the middle. One ref is a main ref. The second is one to make backup decisions or to kind of look one way at the court. Then you have four line refs over here and. They are decided by a team that isn't in connection with them, and you're not—you'd know your schedule for the day. So you'd be playing here, then you'd be line refing here. So say Meteors could be playing Spartans, and then London Storm could be line refing. So yeah, it's kind of, it, we have here. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a good way to, you know, especially when the team is good at refereeing. Anyway, sometimes you know, especially in the lower leagues, you'll get the problem that the line refs just don't want to be there. And you're a bit like, well, I'm playing pretty much with two refs that aren't going to see everything anyway. And one guy that's probably staring away or tying his shoelace, you know. Yeah, sadly, we have that issue here. <laughs> you, you can't you can't get everything right, unfortunately. That is always going to be the problem, especially with a sport where there's five balls, you know, in foam, six balls. Just things moving so quickly, you're not going to get every decision right. So. Yeah, that, that's fair. Um, what has been your career highlight, uh, I guess in your case, as a player and as a commentator? As a player? Um, it's, a, it's a tough one. I've been playing, what, um, a long time now. I'm trying to think. Eight years, maybe? Yeah, because I had two years out. So, eight years I've been playing. Um, a career highlight for me. I've got two. One, way back when I was at university and we were in head, the kind of back at university, it worked different. You had regional divisions. You had North and South division. You'd play in South division and the North would play up there. Then at the end of it, you know, top two from each team or top three from each league would go into qualifiers and we were going up against Birmingham University, and if you, even now, Birmingham, they have about four men's teams, three women's teams, you know, their teams are mahoosive anyway, they get so much um, attraction in dodgeball at Birmingham. We lost the first game there, and then, you know, we come off and we're, do you know what, you know, we'll take any result that comes our way, and we just started playing these games, we were winning these games back, back to back, 
And then in the end, um, some some other team had knocked Birmingham out. We played, ended up playing this team, and then we win and we get promoted. So that was kind of a big thing back then. You know, it's the second team we got promoted into a good division. Um, and then a career highlight in terms of Bedford Rangers, <laughs> probably this year. And if any Bedford Eagles are listening, I know I, I know they'll probably hate me saying this, but <laughs> we we beat them twice in one tournament this year, a season opener. We beat them twice, one in the groups, and then Sam left, and then we had to play them for third place, and we ended up beating them. Bedford Eagles, their men's team, their women's team are still insane. Their men's team, once upon a time, were incredible. Don't get me wrong. Now they've lost a lot of players. A lot of players aren't interested, and they're in the stage of bringing a lot of young players in. So I respect that. Don't get me wrong. But for us... We were always called Bedford Second Team, you know, Bedford Second Team. Even our first team were called Bedford Second Team because Bed- we were behind Bedford Eagles. So now this year we kind of, um, our men's team, I haven't been playing for the first all year, but in this tournament I played for the, well, the only team we had in the tournament and we beat them. So that was a career highlight for me, not just as a player, but as a club owner as well. <laughs> nice. So, and then commentating career highlight. Probably just 2016 World Cup. It was the first one for me. Most important to me. It was where I got my foot in the door. I haven't looked back since. You know, I've enjoyed every moment of it. I love commentating and anyone knows. And anyone that knows me knows I could talk forever anyway. Um, So talking about dodgeball is even better. And then I go to all these big events, meet loads of new people, not just from the UK, but around the world. And 2016 was so good. It was such a good tournament. It was a good stepping stone for kind of world dodgeball in terms of this side of things in America. And you'd have you'd had WDBF for a long time anyway. Yeah. But I think it was for us. It was a bit like, oh, we're, this is our time to catch up. Obviously, this year was going to be world champs, which was going to be a good stepping stone, a good indication of where the whole world was at in terms of these mixed disciplines but hey COVID-19 came across and wiped it all out (laughs) just like the Thanos snap just like oh 100% man yeah I I, I, man I cannot go like it was what third episode in the international series and I cannot go a single episode without being reminded of what I missed this year oh (laughs) So I want to thank every one of you guys for really digging it in. And <laughs> digging and it will, it will, it will, every year it will be that. Every year <laughs> we'll come back. 2020 was the year we just lost most dodgeball. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a stinker. Uh, <laughs> for the next guest, please do not remind me of COVID. Uh, <laughs> All right, so what's the next one? Um, how far do you think dodgeball can go? I'd be lying if I said dodgeball is, you know, we've got the furthest it can now. I'd be lying because I don't believe that. You know, I honestly think one day dodgeball will have a prolific world series, world champs, world cup, whatever you want to call it by the time we get to it. It'll be under one umbrella. We'll have whatever events we have at it, whether it be foam, cloth, rubber, this, that, who knows when we get to that 
mark. And I think we're in a good state where we could go into the Olympics and go, do you know what? You know, a lot of people enjoy watching this. Over in the UK, it's the second most um, loved sport by, you know, kids in school under a recent poll behind football, soccer, what we, what you call over there. Um, so, you know, dodgeball is definitely so, getting so big right now, you know. I'd love to see where it goes. And, you know, I hope I'm around for that still. I hope, you know, if I if it gets to an Olympic, if it gets to a big World Series on TV, if I was behind the desk commentating, hey, I'd be more than happy. I'd be more than happy. And if I'm helping uh, Dodgeball to get there, even better. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I have to agree with that. Um, what achievement in Dodgeball do you want to uh, achieve that you haven't yet? Whether it be as a player or as a commentator? I'd say away from playing and commentating, I'd love to say as a club owner because, you know, I, don't put, I wouldn't put myself in the first team. Probably never because I, every year we look at certain players and who we want to bring in. So we want to constantly make the team better anyway. As a club owner, I'd love to say one, one year we're going to win the Super League. 100%. In the next five years, I will guarantee, you know, I'll give anyone a five, a ten a bet that the team we have or are going to have will make Super League and will we'll be Super League champions. You know, we're, we're coming close already. We've only been around four years. When you look oh, at well. comparison to other clubs, um, you know, and where we are, we, we're in a small city anyway, Bedford. In terms of well, a small town, should I say? There's already two clubs, so you know we're split in terms of that. Whether we make an amalgamation one day, a group in that, who knows? Um, but you know, in terms of where we are already, we're fourth. Our men's team is fourth in the league. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not forgetting about the women's here. I'd love to say one day the women's team will be insane because. I think Bedford Rangers still has a lot to offer. I don't think our journey stops yet. So I'd love to see, you know, away from playing side, away from commentating side, you know, as a club owner, as a coach, as a player at Bedford Rangers, you know, that's what that's what I want to head towards. So, yeah. Taking the Super League? Oh, 100%. <laughs> All right. So here's the... Uh... Here's the kick in the pants question, the final of the top five. Um, what does life after dodgeball look like for you? That's that's death. That's death. There ain't no life after <laughs> there ain't no life after dodgeball. No, it's no. Um I'd love to say I'd love to say, you know, to the day I pass away, I'd be somewhat involved in dodgeball. You know. If I could get to eighty years old and say I was still involved in dodgeball in some sense, whether it was owning shares in something, owning a club, owning, being on a committee of some sort. I'd love to say that. Is it a realistic thing? I mean, who knows? You know, like I said, we don't know where Dodgeball is going to go. We don't know if we've reached our final mark yet. I think a lot of people would say we still have a lot to prove in terms of world talks. So, yeah, it's getting there. Don't get me wrong. We're already hitting these marks in terms of what the sport can and will be so like i said I'd, I'd love to be when i'm an old old man telling stories of 
dodgeball and how it once was <laughs> <laughs> and the year of 2020. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> we just said we're not going <laughs> to but I will say this though you gave the most honest question or the most honest answer in that in that sense because that's pretty much how I see it because um, mm. life after dodgeball to me is just six feet in the dirt mm. <laughs> I don't see life after dodgeball anyway alright <laughs> but then you have to remind me of COVID thanks yeah, sorry. <laughs> you just love to do that. Oh, All okay. right. <laughs> All right. So you've you've been a good sport with the interview and the questions and obviously the banter. Um, so this is your shot. So <laughs> do you have any? Uh, you have three questions uh, lined got, up for me. I've got three questions just for you. So <laughs> from the American side of things, looking over at the UK and the European dodgeball scene. Who are the most well-known or who is the most well-known uh, dodgeball player, you know, from your side of things? Ooh, that's tough. Um, that is really tough. Uh, I don't think there's one singular player that stands out, but I want to say there's like four or five that stand out, depending on who you ask. <laughs> so in no ranking order, I would say first would be Stephen Dumbe from London Storm. Yeah. Um, and he, I know he's been playing for a long time, but it, I know he was in the New York World Cup, I want to yeah. say two years ago. Yeah. And a lot of like the Americans that went there or saw like some of the ESPN streams or whatever, um, they saw him and knew right away, okay, this guy's a major cannon. This guy's a major threat on the English side of things. Yeah. And um, he stood out uh, to a lot of players there. Uh, for sure. I think I think a lot of people would say that just because if you saw his arm, especially, you know, if you don't play a lot of cloth and you see someone throw a cloth ball, you know, everyone's above average. And you look at Steve and there's, you know, he's in a plethora of, you know, people that throw really fast. And Steve, his arm is ridiculous. You know, it is unreal the speeds that guy can hit. Anyway, I won't, I won't you know, <laughs> make his head too big if he hears this anyway. But... <laughs> No, he's, he'll a, he's, a, he's a love. He's a lovely guy. He's a lovely guy. Don't you? No, he, oh my God! Yeah, he, he's yeah. He out of everyone out there I met, and everyone made a great impression. Uh, Steve was definitely one of the most um, endearing individuals I've met, for sure. And there's a funny story I have with Steve, but I'll share that another time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll share that another time. But yeah, definitely Stephen Dumbe. Um, Second would be he plays on uh, Meteors, uh, Simon Jones. Yeah. Um, and I also believe that he played on the British Bulldogs UDC team. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he was. So on. that's where a lot of people remember him. Um, I've seen him like play on the Meteors before, but for anyone who didn't see, you know, European dodgeball or anything of that sort, their first impression of Jones was UDC. Mm-hmm. And for someone who, I guess you guys don't play no sting rubber out there, he looked really proficient out there, and he, he made an impact anyone who's ever seen him play. And I know, like, some of my uh, friends who um, I play with in Elite, they had, like, a scrimmage uh, prior to UDC, and he was able to hang with the rubber balls just as well. So, yeah, he's and really, he's, he's really versatile. Mask guy. And he's an all-round hey, yes, guy. Yeah. <laughs> 
He it's definitely a, it's, is. It's a weird thing about us Brits, you know. We're always nice. Well, we always seem nice, whether we are or not. <laughs> but no, he's you know he's, he's such an all-rounded guy. You know, he's like you said, he's one of those guys that when you look at him, sometimes he gets kind of pushed to the back in terms of guys you look at in terms of great dodgeball players here in the UK. But you know, he's certainly proved himself time and time again. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's funny when I was over there, um, he kept joking because uh, GCG was in one part of like the bleachers and the meteors were literally like right next to us, or uh, right next to us and right below. And he kept joking with his team that I'm his cousin because I bought his jersey <laughs> last year and he shipped it to me. So he kept saying, "My cousin, my cousin's playing here." I'm like, "Oh, it's me." <laughs> I guess to everyone over there, I'm his cousin. <laughs> Fair so enough. Simon <laughs> Simon Jones um, and who else Aldred Anthony Aldred um, yeah. if not for his beard definitely the kit collection oh, I would sure. argue I would argue that um, he definitely has the most extensive collection that I, that I know honestly like I know plenty of players here uh, have a pretty solid kit collection but yeah, I don't think any one of us has touched the four corners of Earth yet. <laughs> he's literally got a dodgeball. If there's dodgeball being played in your nation, he's got a jersey for it. Uh, for sure. He's got a kit. Literally, he's got so many kits. It's unreal. <laughs> you know, I wish I had even, you know, I don't know where he gets that money from, but he's got kits <laughs> literally from every, every part of the world. I mean, I, I don't blame him. I mean... If I could, I would definitely buy a whole loads of them myself. Oh, like I'm sure. literally on Facebook, like, okay, who's selling kits? Who's selling kits? <laughs> <laughs> um, so definitely him. And the fourth one would be kind of like a toss up between. I know Ryan. Ne was it Ryan Neal? Yeah. How do you say it? Ryan yeah. Neal. Um, he'd be one of them. I think also because he was on the British Bulldogs. Mm. Um, and. And I want to say Henry Skinner. Yeah. I want to say Henry Skinner uh, because he was actually the first international interview from last year. All right. Uh, okay. He was going to um, play for GB in Cancun. So mm. I would say those four or five are the players that like we hear about a lot the most. That's a good four or five. <laughs> what was the second one? Uh, the second one. Who is the most influential American dodgeballer? So someone that stands out, not just on court, but off court as well in terms of what they do. Easily. Easily Vince Marchbanks. <laughs> um, he dominates on the court. Uh, he dominates in social media. <laughs> yeah. like, you can't go to a country that plays dodgeball and doesn't know who he is. Mm. I mean, he's our Michael Jordan. Oh, yeah. For sure. I've, ne I've never met the guy. You know, one day I hope I do and hope that he's still playing. I don't know in terms of where he's at in his career. But, you know, every time I see him play or on social media, he just seems like a nice guy. He's always up for a bit of a laugh. He's, you know, he wants to always prove that, you know, dodgeball is the next best thing. You know, he's gone um, viral a couple of times, you know. <laughs> the yeah, guy doesn't yeah. muck about, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't think of any country that plays dodgeball doesn't know his name. And yeah, I would say he's definitely one of the most, 
competitive, classy individuals that can transcend the sport if the sport gets there or when the sports yeah. get there. Because, you know, I know he kind of, you know, someone joked, I think it was a, a, a reporter that interviewed him that called him LeBron James of dodgeball. But I'm, I would akin to him more like Michael Jordan because every time he, he gets to a championship game, he wins. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how old Michael Jordan is, you're still going to have to face him at his best. And, yeah. you know, you would take an older Vince versus a younger prospect any day. And I think, if anything, um, he's more dangerous now than he was when he was younger because he's more experienced. Yeah. Uh, so, he certainly yeah. seems like a very smart brain on court as well. Not always hitting, you know, the best shots, but he certainly knows how the game works in and out. And I think, you know, that certainly makes a great player. Makes, you know, someone that leaves a legend behind because, you know, they're not always thinking about themselves. They're thinking about the other guys or girls that are on court with them. So. Yeah. I mean, I would like to – I think I got a lot of my understanding of the game playing against them, playing with them. Mm. So he's definitely influential in, in that regard. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, the third question: Do you honestly think dodgeball one day can be an Olympic sport? Yes, I think so because it's our like like you said, it's already reaching a lot of uh, ground out there in the UK, being the second most popular in school. Um, over here, we were develop we're, we're still developing like a youth uh, program where it can be be reintroduced back into schools. Uh, I know it, it's a big part of people's lives all across the globe, regardless of cloth, foam, rubber. It it can definitely get there. And I think in time, once COVID passes over, um, we'll be you know hitting the floor running when it comes to getting that to the forefront. And there's a lot of people working behind the scenes to make that happen. You know, I, I like to think that can happen in our lifetime for sure. Um, I think it could be kind of like uh, FIFA where they'll have uh, standard football and futsal in the same uh, Olympics. So I, I, I can see both disciplines being represented. Yeah, I certainly agree with you on that. Certainly agree with you. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're about to wrap things up. Uh, do you have any shout-outs you'd like to give? Um, some shout-outs. Shout out to anyone that's involved in bringing back dodgeball. Um, shout out to Bedford Rangers, obviously a club close to my heart. Shout out to, um, what should we say? Shout out to you for interviewing me. Thanks a lot. Um, shout out to, weird shout out, John. John Rodlin. He was the guy that kind of coached me back at university he's the guy that's constantly improving uk dodgeball so big shout out to him i think he knows how good he is at his job and what he does within the sport here so that's a big shout out um that's it and my shout outs <laughs> okay and that was my interview with greg whitehouse greg thank you so much for taking time out of your day for um to, to talk dodgeball with me and to talk about how your commentary journey started and pretty much started with a foot in the door and that's all you need and a little initiative and that was great and 
I wanted to start the series off, or I wanted to this mission statement for the international series to be clear. Even though we come from different countries, and we have the same goals, some of us have the same beginnings, and some of us enjoy the same things. And if anything, I wanted to highlight in these international series thus far, if it hasn't been clear, is the fact that dodgeball is a bridge, uh, a bridge that connects uh, connects us players across the board. I mean, it's one thing to have you know, friends in different states. I'm hoping to bring that same connection across the UK and maybe even Asia and Australia when I get there. But if you've been enjoying the international series, thank you so much for everyone who's been posting questions. Thank you for everyone who's pretty much been asking me who the next guest will be. You got to stay tuned to find out. All right. And with that, I will close out and hope you guys have a wonderful day.